Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 146. My name is John Morgan. Cold coffee, wow! He didn't get to make the trip with me. Starting out 2018 on the wrong foot, Cold Coffee is not with me. He is back home in Las Vegas. Being productive from what I understand. Doing some, uh, setting up a home gym out in his garage is what I hear is going on, man. Big things happen out there. I like it. Me, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri for USC Fight Night 124, Stevens versus Choi. I'll tell you what, I'm just getting here. If you didn't notice, this is a Sunday fight. That's right. One of the rare UFC events on a Sunday night. So, I just got in town. You know how we do with the MMA Roadshow. We sit down and we record on Thursday nights. I just got in town. It has been a crazy day. A crazy day, all right? Just so you have an idea. Here's what it was. 1.20 a.m. flight from Las Vegas to Dallas arrived at 5.55 a.m. 7.10 a.m. flight from Dallas to St. Louis arrived at 8.52 a.m. Made my way to the... uh, the host hotel, I'm not staying at the host hotel, although I got to say, this is one of the rare instances where I think I got off better. I'm at the Hyatt Regency, St. Louis, at the Arch. If you're ever in St. Louis, book this hotel. It is super nice. I got a beautiful view. I got the Arch. I put it on Twitter. I put it on Instagram. I got the Arch right outside my window, so I'm right here in the middle of it, and I'm close. I'm real close. Meanwhile, the uh, the host hotel is the Westin St. Louis, so if you're in town and you're Looking to maybe get a couple of pictures or autographs. That's where you want to go, over to the Westin. Got to say, I think we got the nicer hotel. I think MMA Junkie got the nicer hotel this time around. I definitely got faster internet. Man, I was trying to upload stuff over there. Anyway, so I made my way over to the host hotel. Uh, had interviews today with uh, Kamaru Usman, Vitor Belfort, Michael Johnson, Tiago Alves. Jeremy Stevens and Uriah Hall in that order over at the host hotel, the West in St. Louis. After that, then I finally came over to my hotel, got checked in, dropped off my bags, finally went to go eat. Oh, man, I had some barbecue. Love me some barbecue. Pappy Smokehouse, solid. I, I Here I got to go to uh, Sugar Fire, I believe it's called. I've gotten some good recommendations. I'm excited. I have not been to St. Louis in a long time. The USC has never been to St. Louis, which is crazy. Strike Force has been here, but uh, it had been a long time since I'd been out here. Matt Erickson lives in Chicago, so it's it's a lot easier for him to cover uh, some of those St. Louis events. So it's been a long time since I've been out here. So the recommendations I've been getting for places to go uh, go eat or to grab a frosty beverage has certainly been well appreciated. But went to Pappy Smokehouse, grabbed a grab some dinner. Love me some barbecue. Being a being from Texas, man, there was no the, the brisket was not good. The brisket was <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The brisket was not Texas brisket, but the ribs, the pulled pork, the chicken, on point. And then we went to uh, just a couple of friends. We went to a a little dive bar, uh, CBGB, you know, kind of based on the old New York uh, landmark. Had a couple drinks there. And then now I'm back at the the hotel. It's been a long, long day, man. I don't even remember leaving the house last night. I left the house last night around like 11.30 p.m. It's been a long day, and the weather has been crazy. I got here in St. Louis. It was gorgeous. It was 60 degrees. Fantastic. Just absolutely beautiful. And in the course of a day, it snowed. It went from 60 degrees to snowing. It's like 20 degrees outside, and there's snow on the ground. So, (sighs) nutty week of weather. You know I'm still rocking the shorts, though. I still got the cargo shorts on. I got no shame. I don't care. 
I don't care. All right, listen, we'll talk about UFC Fight Night 124 in just a second. But a lot of things I wanted to get to. Um, it was an interesting week this week. Uh, w- you know, with, with last weekend being kind of an off weekend of the sport, we didn't, of course, we didn't have an and a half show. I'm going to try to do one this week, but I, I might have to do it at the airport. It's going to be close, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to knock one out. But didn't have an and a half. Didn't have anything to do. Just kind of enjoyed it. But was kind of cool. Dwayne Bang Ludwig was actually in Las Vegas, and he was at Extreme Couture, and he was doing a seminar. So he was doing a seminar where he was teaching the public, but also before that he was teaching the pros as well. And Cole Coffee and I went by there. Kind of cool situation. So, so the Bang Muay Thai Academy – Bang Muay Thai, started by Dwayne Bang Ludwig, um, has signed up affiliate schools, affiliate programs, and Extreme Couture is a gym that has signed up as one of their affiliate partnerships. And it's interesting because, you know, I guess, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're listening to the show, you, you you might know this. I would assume you probably know this, but fighters don't pay the bills. Fighters are not what makes gyms profitable. It's it's the family memberships to sign up. It's, it's people like me that pay for their son to go train there. You know, it's, it's people that sign up to, to go work out and, and to study. And of course, you know, it helps when you have fighters there because it helps the, the reputation of your gym. You know, people go, oh, I want to go train where the, the, the best in the world train, but you got to sign up, you know, uh, basic families, you know, you got to sign up the, the soccer moms and you got to sign up the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the people that are on their way to work or whatever and, and, and want to stop in to work out. So I realized that was sexist. That's that's why I stopped. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why I started stumbling there. I realized when I said soccer mom, now nah, I'm sexist. Thanks, Fernanda Prachis. You live in my head forever. You, It's the soccer dads and the moms that are paying the bills. <laughs> now, am I even now? Did I make up for everything? But no, so, so, it's, a, so it's an interesting thing. So... I wanted to kind of go get a feel for kind of what this thing was. Like, uh, I mean, what does this mean exactly? Like, because, you know, there's great striking coaches at Extreme Couture. You know, of course, Ray Seffo's there, you know, teaching striking. I mean, uh, you know, how, how does this work exactly? And it was kind of cool to see, like, the Extreme Couture, the the pro team definitely. Like, not everybody is studying under Dwayne Ludwig. No, that's not what's happening. But the coaches there at Extreme Couture – they're going and they're spending time with Dwayne Ludwig. They're going up to Colorado, and and they're you know taking you know getting personalized training and seeing you know what he's teaching. Of course, his lineage comes from Boss Root, and then they're using that to help frame their own teaching programs and what they're doing with the pros. But what it does too on that other side of the program, which is the non-fighters, is the Bang Muay Thai system, and it's it's it is really smart. It's it 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 has a belt system. Kind of like what you think of with traditional martial arts, you know. There's 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 rankings, and you move up the ranks, and I think that's smart because you know you, you, kickboxing. If you've ever taken a kickboxing class, in most gyms, it's basically just you just go in there and you you just kickbox. You take the class, you do the movements, you hit the bag, you spar with each other, or even if you're not sparring, you're at least you know kind of hitting pads and and doing whatever. But there's no real progression. So what's What's, where, where's the sense of accomplishment? Where's the, the, the sense of pride in, in seeing something that you've done? Um, and that's one thing that this Bang Muay Thai system addresses. So, you know, that's why Extreme Couture decided to, do, to, to be a part of this. You know, it's both, yes, it helps their pro team because they're able to have access to a high-level striking coach and they're able to see what another high-level striking coach is doing and what he's teaching and what he's working on. But at the same time, it helps provide a system that didn't exist before 
for their regular clientele base, you know, with just their, their, their families and, and kids and all those that are in their teaching. So anyway, it was really cool. Um, I wanted to go see, this was the first time that Dwayne Bang Ludwig had stopped by and taught a class, uh, since, uh, it had become an affiliate gym and he was in town again, he taught the pros. He, uh, he taught the seminar as well. And, uh, we interviewed him myself and Cole coffee. We talked to him, kind of get a feel and an understanding for what he's up to, what this whole affiliate partnership is about. And then of course, of course, of course, you know we had to ask him about T.J. Dillashaw and what he thinks about T.J. Dillashaw and Demetrius Johnson. So we did that, too. Here's Bang Ludwig. Well, Bang, your first practice in the books here at Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. What was the experience like for you today? Uh, super fun. You know, it was nice to have some high-level UFC guys in here learning as well and making sure they're doing what I feel they should be doing is, again, learning and growing as martial artists and human beings. So it's nice to see that they put the ego aside, came in to actually learn, which is nice, right? Very cool. We know about you know you as a coach, but I think a lot of people not, might not realize this affiliate program that you've got going that's pretty robust. Talk to me a little bit about the vision and kind of what you had in mind starting that. Well, the direct definition of sensei is history teacher, teacher of the past, right? So I'm taking all my selfish lessons I've learned as a fighter and now regurgitating them and spitting them back out to other people, right? And becoming the sensei, again, history teacher, teacher of the past. So taking the chaos of a fight and to simplify that so people can understand what's going on. Because in a fight, it's pretty chaotic, chaotic, right? So again, simplifying that chaos and breaking down each individual piece so they can understand what's going on and get better each and every day. And uh, just doing what I should be doing, right? giving it back, paying it forward, so they don't have to make the same mistakes and use that time to get better and maybe expedite their careers or just as martial artists in general. So it just makes me feel good to give back, right? Get another purpose in life to help people grow. They're all my children now, they're my flowers, so to see them grow and get better is, is a reward for me. Very cool. Talk about the Bang Muay Thai system. I mean, the philosophy of it. I mean, how much homage it pays to Boss Rutan, what yes, the lineage yeah. is there. Tell so me about it. The lineage to, to Sensei Rutan is, uh, you know, he taught me most of what I know, right? He taught me how to think, which has been good. So I took his original system of the numbers and just kept that going, kept adding pieces to the puzzle. You know, he's still a martial artist, but he's focusing more on the entertainment side with movies and film, which is fine. So it's been an honor for me to carry on his torch of martial art lineage. And it's, again, it's a huge, huge honor and respect. And I just continue to grow that. And I'm actually teaching martial arts, though, not just fighters, right? So taking the traditional business model of Taekwondo and Karate, and instead of doing katas and forms, we're just taking high percentage drills and combinations that are actually effective in the cage or in the street, but trained in a safe, effective manner so people can get better and not have a black eye when they leave the gym or the dojo or the academy, whatever you call it. So. This is a pretty interesting setup, though, because this is not just an affiliate gym. I mean, this is an affiliate that has another pro team involved. So how did this relationship come together? It's, it's, it's the same goals, whether if uh, you're just a regular civilian or a pro fighter. My goals are to help you get better, train safe and effectively so you can go into the cage or go to your job or go see your wife or kids, right? So just to get them better and make sure they're understanding martial arts. So again, it's my give back to the world now, taking on my fight years and regurgitating it to help people become better martial artists. How much joy do you take in this? I mean, does it replace that passion and that satisfaction you used to have as a fighter? Uh, does it replace it? Uh, it's just another form of it, I guess, right? So it's definitely much more, I'll say it's much more enjoyable, right? I get to eat what I want, don't get punched in the face no more, I never get tired. People are nice and friendly when they see me, they're not wanting to fight me and punch me, so it's a much much uh, more friendly field, right? And uh, the money's actually better now teaching martial arts rather than getting punched in the face in the cage. So it's, uh, other than that too, like, life has turned, to be, uh, turned out to be quite Quite smooth. Very cool. Give me the vision for the future. I mean, how big do you want this thing to grow? How much attention can you give? What's the future? Uh, my future is just to make sure I'm producing good martial artists and athletes, right? And uh, we'll see which direction it goes. I mean, I, you know, I, it, it is a business. I mean, it's not free, right? But uh, my main goal is just to give a service back first, right? And uh, 
So we'll see what direction it goes. But I'd love to have you know every gym teaching Bang Muay Thai because again, what I feel I've done is taken uh, the traditional martial arts business model, and you know they've done good, right? I mean there are a lot of successful academies and dojos out there, but I think a lot of things what they teach may not be actually effective for self-defense. But just teaching someone to bow on the mat, be respectful, and have some confidence is good. But I just think some things that are taught aren't necessarily applicable. So you can train real combinations and drills safe and effectively, and I think that point is missing. And I'm glad that I'm able to stick that together and making sure people are doing what they should be doing and just just not BSing anybody, you know, to be honest, right? I'm not selling any, any uh, you know, fake product, you know, like, and not that, you know, katas and stuff. Because what we're doing now are katas, they're just interactive, interactive uh, combinations, so interactive kata, but, uh, and not to downplay any of that stuff, but uh, I just feel I have a good product service that's uh, credible, I guess, right? Can't let you get away without asking about your star pupil, TJ oh, Dillashaw. Yes, Man, everybody's talking about this Demetrius Johnson fight. Yeah, how, I was going to say, how confident are you that this happens? I'm very confident it's going to happen because, I mean, TJ's at the top, Demetrius has been at the top for a while, so just as a martial artist and a fan of the sport, too, it just has to happen for the rule books anyway, just for the history books, right? Because Demetrius, you know, I don't care, Demetrius, like, you, you know, you're the best at your weight class right now, but you're not fighting the top guys. I mean, the guys, so Demetrius is at an A-plus level, right? And the guys that he's fighting, no, no disrespect, the guys that he's fighting are at a B-plus level. Like, they're not on his level, but that's why he's the champion, right? TJ's on the A-plus level at a different weight class. He'll come down, he'll make the weight with Coach Sam Calavita and uh, make this actually happen just for the evolution of martial arts in general because TJ's the best martial artist that the planet's ever had. So is Demetrius, just different weight classes. So let's find a common weight class and figure out who's the true martial artist and put it to the test. Because, I mean, that's what we do as human beings, right? Is find what's the best situation, what's the, the fastest, cleanest, most... Uh, High, you know, I guess the most technologically advanced piece of equipment. Right now it's TJ and Demetrius. Let's see out of those two, which one reigns supreme. As a student of the game, how excited are you to, to try to break DJ down? Do you see weaknesses? I've already broken them down. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I see weaknesses, but I see areas that TJ can be successful. That's what I see, you know. Demetrius is very good. There are some things that we can capitalize on. And, I mean, I've already broken him, uh, Demetrius down quite a bit because when he was going to fight, uh, when he fought, uh, we was going to fight TJ and we did fight Benavides, right? So during the whole process, I, I understand Demetrius, I feel pretty well, but he's always changing and evolving as well. So as we, and that's what we must be doing as human beings and martial artists again, as always. But uh, I feel I understand him and I feel that TJ can beat him. Bang Ludwig feels like that fight between Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw has to happen for the history books. I, I, I agree, man. It's a fight I want to see. I love the fact that that fight would be at 125 pounds. I do believe Demetrius Johnson is the top pound-for-pound -pound fighter on the planet, but I don't feel like he should have to go up to 135. He's the top pound-for-pound -pound fighter on the planet because he's the perfect athlete at 125 pounds. And I think because of that, that's where he needs to compete. I don't think he needs to go up to 135 and prove that he's great. He's proving his greatness at 125, and I don't love. I, I I just don't like that argument where people say he needs to move up to another division. I just don't buy into that, and I love the fact that T.J. Dillashaw is saying he's going to go down to 125 and challenge him there. I will say this. I, I don't want to say I worry, but I just do wonder. I mean, Dillashaw looks shredded at 135. I mean, an extra 10 pounds off that frame. <sighs> Does not seem like an easy test or an easy task, I should say. But he says he can do it. And if he says he can do it, I, I want to see it. I mean, there's not another fight that you want to see with Demetrius Johnson right now, right? I mean, there's just there's nothing 
quote unquote better out there. So why wouldn't you do the fight? I, I love it. It sounds like it's going to happen. And, uh, I'm stoked about it. Hopefully they get a date on that soon because I, I want to see that happen. Um, all right. So listen, uh, with, with that at the, in the books, I also thought, hey, what else can I do? What else? What else can I do with my with my time? There was no event this weekend, so I got I got no follow up stories to do. I got nothing going on. Um, so I I reached out to Conan Silvera, the head coach of the American Top Team, good good friend of the show, good dude, man, just a a, a true veteran of the of the sport of the game. And um, I don't want to say one, one – I wouldn't say one of the most underappreciated coaches because I think people do realize how great an American top team is. But I don't think he spends enough time in the spotlight, so to speak, man. I, I think he needs to get a little bit more a little bit more shine. And uh, so I wanted to reach out to him and just kind of get caught up and kind of see what was going on and uh, just get kind of a, a, a wide-ranging interview on things that are happening in American top team and his his thoughts and – what he sees going on. So I, I just reached out to Conan Silvera and talked about a bunch of stuff, American top team. So, uh, hopefully you dig that with kind of a slow weekend. Here's what we came up with. Hello. Conan. Hey John, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? All good in the hood. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's just talk about American top team, man. Let's get all caught up. How are the, how are the holidays, man? What do you guys do? Do you guys shut down or do you got, you, is it too busy? You guys got to stay working the whole time. We train all the time. We don't shut down anything. You know, here we have a half. If we have a half a day holiday, that is a lot. Wow! So Christmas Day, New Year's Day, you got stuff going on. We gotta train, man. We gotta fight scummy. We gotta train. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, listen, there's there's a lot going on, man. I want to kind of get a, an update with you on on some of your fighters, if that's okay. Sure, of course. Go ahead. Well, let's talk about Amanda Nunes first, man. There's a lot of talk with with Amanda maybe fighting Cyborg and 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 that this fight needs to happen. Cyborg's kind of a little hesitant, so I'm curious what your take is because I know at one point Amanda kind of said, you know, I know sometimes Brazilians don't like fighting Brazilians, and Amanda was a little hesitant, but now it seems like she wants the fight. So, what do you think? Is is this a fight that that can happen, should happen? What's what's your take on this fight? I will say this. I think that is a fight that is not 100%, but a thousand percent is going to happen. Oh, wow. I think that it is something that everybody wants to see it. Even the ones that think that they're going to lose anything or they, I mean, I just think that it is a champion's fight. I think that they need to have that fight. It is a big push for the MMA in general, females or males. I think they you know, people want to see that. I think they have the best chance or the best opportunity to leave their marks on history. I think that is all about that. You know, I, I believe that when you fight and you get to be a contender, it's really hard. When you win and you become a champion, it's even harder than that. But when you have the chance to leave your name in history, I think that you have to do it. Mm. That's something that is good for everybody. That's what is MMA about. MMA about it. I I believe that if he cyborg you was an American top team fighter, yeah, really doesn't make any sense. You don't want to, but it's still, you know, I think that the chances in what is going to come from the fight is something that you know only few people have the chance to do in life. Yeah, it'd be pretty special. I mean, their styles I think would be so fun. They're both great champions. What do, What do you think? I mean. 
when you watch Cyborg fight, I mean, Holly put on a pretty good fight, but, I mean, she's so big and strong. Do you think Amanda would have problems with that, that strength and that power? I, I believe for the weight division, Amanda is going to be extremely well prepared. You know, I think she's not going to have to make a weight. She's probably going to be strong on that division. Uh, I, I do believe then the compensation, you know, on the strength that comes from Cyborg definitely will be the tools that Amanda has on her side. Um, I, I think that is the perfect fight. I think it's a perfect match. I think they both will be, you know, um, you'll be, like I say, champions fight. It's something that we don't see that happen often. You know, I, I think a lot of people want to see it. I mean, I think Dana said he wants to see it. Fans want to see it. Do you think, um, you know, do you think maybe that it should be in, in Brazil? Or I, I know there's supposed to be a pay-per-view in June. I, I believe it's in June in, in Rio. Do you think that would be the perfect spot for it, doing it in Brazil? Or, or does it matter? You can you think you can do it anywhere? I, I think that it can be done in any place. I think that really doesn't matter the place it matters is the fight happening. I think that uh, in Rio or in other state in Vegas, I think that I mean it's just a matter of uh, to have them both fight each other and show then you know what that's what a champions do. You know that's what you got to do to you know be in history. That's what you have to make it. So I really, I don't think it doesn't matter where it's going to be. No doubt. All right. Well, talking about Brazil, let me ask you about uh, Brazil's number one enemy, Colby Covington, man. <laughs> uh, the most wanted. The most wanted, man. G give me an update there because, I, I, you know, I like Colby, man. I really do. I've followed him his whole career, and I think he's a good kid, uh, and I think he's a good fighter. You know, I think he's a really good grappler. But, I, you know, I do question sometimes if he's going a little too far. You know, he's got to promote himself. There's no question about it. But sometimes I wonder if he's going a little far. G give me an idea – kind of what it's like down in the gym there because obviously you guys have a ton of Brazilians I mean is are, are, are there people that are wanting to take his head off is it uncomfortable what's what's the feeling like let me start saying this um number one he doesn't have any problem with teammates or coaches Brazilians uh, not Brazilians Americans he doesn't have any problem with anybody here in the house the second thing I want to say is um this whole controversy about him in Brazil and what he say, I, I got to be fair on my, my opinion and my, my comment. Um, is a lot of people saying that he said, but the people then said that he said never say that they say something before. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm going to give you an example. I was doing Nico Price corner in Brazil and the same card was Kobe. And as he's standing by to get you the cage, I was getting, you know, cursing by everybody. Wow. I mean, and Nico never said anything to anybody. So what I get from what I get from that moment is okay, it's okay for you to say something, but it's not okay when you have a retaliation, we have somebody giving an answer. And I, I do believe then the controversy has to do more when he's promoting himself. You know, I won't do it. I mean, I, I personally don't agree. I, I won't do I won't be a, a fighter. Then I will go that path. But uh, that's me. And, you know, what I, people should see is that 90% of the fighters, as they criticize him, want to do what he's doing, want to get what he's getting. Mm. Kobe's not only talking, but uh, he's doing, you know, as much people don't like to, to recognize that, he's talking, you know, He's trashing talk, but he's fighting, he's winning, and he's getting there. So 
like I say, you know, I, I, in the house, no problem at all. You know, he's he's been always a cool guy with everybody. You know, Brazilian coaches or American coaches, really doesn't matter. You know, I, like you know, and his opinion, what he says, is all it has to do with him. You know, we're not his parents here. You know, <laughs> we we're coaches in training. You know, we trainers. So I think that people should see a little bit more. You know. Uh, you know, then what he's trying to do is just promoting himself. And more people feel that, you know, especially Brazilians, you know, they like to find, you know, on the Instagram and on the Facebook, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You guys just feeding, you know what I mean? Just kind of putting more gas on the, more gasoline on the fire. <laughs> That's very true. What do you think's next for Kobe? I mean, do you think he deserves that shot at Tyron Woodley? you think he's done enough to, to get a title shot? I don't know exactly, and I can't say is the reason why I'm saying that because I really don't know what he what he's going to get it. But he's very close to get a title shot. Yep. You know, he's very close to be a number one contender. I mean, whatever people can say, what he's doing, the way he's doing, seems to me then he's getting what he's looking for. No question. Would that be tough for you to coach against Tyron? I mean, uh, you, you guys have done it before. Is it is it is it uncomfortable when you have to do that? Being an ATT guy, I mean, I know he's not down there at the mothership with you guys, but is that is that difficult for you? It's always difficult, but I I, I do believe that we are well prepared for that situation. It's not going to be the first time. Um, you know, of course, we hate to see our guys going against each other, but uh, we have to put things before. You know, we get you get our feelings involved on that. You know, it's not about preference. It's not about who you like the most. It's about the chance that you have in life to make your dream come true. Mm. And I think that has to be, we have to see it that way. You know, it's when you have two kids, you know, we have two brothers, they broke from the same parents, and you send one kid to college. And you go to the other one and say, no, 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 you're not going to go to college because your brother ran to college. You don't need to go. <laughs> you can't do that. You know, so I believe that we see as we see from the angle, you know, I think that everybody deserves an opportunity to make that dream come true. And we're not going to take that away from anybody. Very fair, very fair. Let me ask you about uh, Joanny and Jacek. I saw her today uh, carrying the Olympic torch, so that's pretty cool stuff for her. I've, has she been back in the gym, and, and uh, have you had a chance to talk to her and just kind of see how she's doing and, and, and kind of what's next for her? Pretty, uh, to be honest with you, I had a long talk with her when we in China for uh, uh, UFC Shanghai. Shanghai. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's a very strong mind. She's a, a, a fighter. Outside, inside, I do believe then she's coming back for the rematch. Whatever is the one, they have the belt. Um, she's be she she'll be here soon. She I think she's coming next week to start her you know pre camp training. We don't have anything scheduled, but I know she always try to she always likes to start before. Um, nothing, nothing. I mean, she is a she's she's dangerous. She's a a fighter, you know. Um, that is not going to stop her. I don't think that that is going to even get her on the pause. You know, she's not going to even pause. She's just going to go after whoever has the belt. Do you guys feel like you made any tactical mistakes against Rose Namajunas, or, or did, did Rose just surprise you guys at how good she was, or were there mistakes that were made? I mean, when you think back on that fight, how do you look at it? I mean, John, you know, the way I see is, in my opinion, is always based on not – specific in the fight or any fighter 
I do believe that if you do your training, you you well prepared and you do a hundred percent right, you still have you still have the risk to lose the fight. Mm. So imagine if something goes wrong. So saying that, I, what what I'm trying to explain is you, you never know. It's just a matter of the moment. I don't think then you know um, if something happened before the fight, definitely not factor her. Um, you know, but uh, it is. Rosie saw the the time and she saw the moment and she was. You know, smart enough. She was fast enough to to grab it, and she did. I mean, happens. You know, um, like I say, you you are always when you're defending or you're fighting for, you take the risk to lose or win. Very true, man. It's a fight. Well, let me ask you a question uh, outside of the gym a little bit. Have you have you heard anything on Daniel Strauss, man? I know everybody was very worried about Daniel. It sounds like he was in a pretty serious accident. Have you guys gotten any word on on his condition and how he's doing? I heard about the accident, but you know we pretty much lost uh, communication with him. You know uh, the only the only thing I know is because I saw it in the media. So I um, I don't have anything. Uh, I don't know anything that happened after that. You know I wish that he gets you know uh, well soon. And um, you know not, I I I don't have any comment on that. Yeah, no, it's a tough situation. I think they're trying to keep things with the family right now. On, on a better note, I did want to ask you about Kyoji Hiroguchi, man. He had a great holiday season. I know Mike was over there with him, and uh, he had a great run over there in Japan. I, t talk to you about Kyoji Hiroguchi, man. I, I think that this guy, I, I mean, I feel like he left the UFC too soon, and I, I'm sure it was in his best interest uh, financially or whatever, but uh, the, the guy seems like he's incredibly talented. What, what do you see when you see this kid? Uh I don't think I can talk about Kyoji, you know. I don't I don't think I can get worse to talk about him. He's just an amazing guy as a person, number one. You know, as a fighter, even he was he showed, you know, that he's thousand times better than when he got here. Right. You know, he still hasn't shown his full potential. I mean Kyoji is still young and you know, he's still learning and, and developing his potential knowledge. I mean He's just—I uh, probably agree with you about leaving UFC soon, but you know what? That's what I, sometimes you gotta—you gotta get out for what you get out from the comfort zone and get out there and show more and look for more. That is going to push you forward. I think that eventually he will come back, you know, in a better position. You know, he definitely is a guy that I see, you know, now in, in fighting for the for the belt. But you know, I think with time we're gonna see we're gonna see what is gonna go. You know, you talk about five of the belt. I mean, he he's he got rushed into a title shot. There's no question. He was too young, and there just weren't any contenders available. But I mean, the guy that you see now, do you think he could could compete with Demetrius Johnson right now? Hundred percent. Amazing. I definitely see it that way, and I agree with you what you say. I think that when he had the chance to go for the belt, fight for the title, you know, he was too young. He uh, uh he was not then. I believe that he was missing, you know, more knowledge about himself, you know, the out of knowledge, then you know who you are, what you take able to do. And he's ready on the level now. Kyoji pretty much can fight anybody on that division. And I'll definitely say then he can win. His chances to win will be, you know, close to 100%. I was going to say, but I mean, in that situation, like if you were managing his career, you wouldn't change anything, right? I mean, if you get a chance to fight for a title – whether you're ready or not, you pretty much have to say yes, right? You have to go for it. You know, it, it is the chances, like I say before, you know, chances like that, you have to go. 
it, that's the reason why I, I, I say it about, you know, being a contender, be a champion, and fight against, fight against another champion. That situation, then you have to do it. It's, it's all about who you are, you know, the position you are. And more you on top, more you, you are the champion, more you have to prove it, more you have to show them, you know what, it is what it takes. Yeah, no doubt. Do you, he, he fought at Bantamweight uh, in Japan, but I, I think that was probably just because it was three fights in, in three days or whatever. I mean, is, is, is he considering Bantamweight or do you still is, is he a flyweight for his future? I, I, he is more comfortable in the flyaway. I think that was the reason why uh, was the tournament in Japan. Right. So um, you know, I mean, fight. Uh, I think the first time was one fight and uh, skip one day and fight the next day twice. Yeah, uh, that was a good decision to stay, you know, on the bantamweight and fight. But uh, he's he's definitely you know in uh, in the light away. Nice. You know, you talked about China earlier with uh, Ioana. The other fighter that you had over there was uh, Masvidal was, was over in China as well. I know he said he wanted to take some time off and, you know, maybe fight in April or so and kind of better his skills. Is is he in the gym? And, and what's, you know, what's he doing right now? He's training. He's back to training. Uh, I mean, one, one fighters, they, they I, I, and I, I got to say, especially American top team fighters, when they say they got to take their time, don't misunderstand vacation time they are training time mm. you know um i see a lot of the guys oh uh you know saying oh he says he's gonna take his time and that doesn't mean that he's not training you know um we we, we pretty much believe then it is the preparation for what you want to do and you can't just start when you have signed the boundary you gotta once you sign you ready be you gotta be halfway ready no doubt. I, I may be being selfish here, but I want to see him fight Michael Bisping, man. Those guys seem like they really don't like each other. And I know that Michael's got one fight left, and I know that's a middleweight fight even at that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm being selfish. I kind of want to see Masvidal fight Bisping. Does that interest you at all, or do you, or do you guys have of different things yes. in mind? Of course, yes. I would definitely want to see the fight, but I just think that Bisping is not going to accept it. Mm. I don't think that you want to put the risk in his last fight against somebody like George Masvidal. You know, I, I I don't think that he 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 wants that. That thing for us would be great. I think that you'll be a fight that George wants, but uh, I don't see Bisping accepting the fight. You know. Yeah, I I would love to see that. They they really don't like each other. I mean, you've been behind the scenes. What is it? They just they really don't like each other. I mean, I, I gotta say, you know, I try to be extremely fair in my comments and the way I see things, and it's. Almost impossible not to like George, you know. Max Vidal is a super cool guy, but on the other hand, you know, I have my, um, I haven't seen uh, Bisping, you know, behind the scenes, you know, and, and I kind of have my doubts. You know, then in that situation, specifically in that situation, George was wrong. I think that Bis Bisping was wrong. You know, he likes to kind of uh, promote himself. In my opinion. You know, uh, and sometimes getting a little bit on the, um, with the with the wrong comments. Mm -hmm. Yep, fair enough. Uh, last one I got for you. Uh, you got Tiago Alves fighting this weekend. I mean, man, the guy has been around forever. It seems like man, been a superstar of the sport for a long time. Uh, how's he looking these days? What do you expect out of him? What's what's I mean, where's his head at right now? Uh, he's pretty much right now as you speak as we speak. He's training. Um, he's leaving tomorrow. Um, that was a great camp. No injuries, nothing. You know, he's being healthy as healthy can be on his body. Um, 
you know, I, you just got to expect a war coming from him. You know, he's the type of fighter, like you say, being around, being, being around for a long, long time. But uh, believe me, the fight is still there. The, he's going to bring a war to the cage. Awesome. Believe me. Awesome, man. Well, Conan, you've been amazing with your time, man. I appreciate it. Any other, anything else going on around there that we need to make sure people I, are aware of? Just thank everybody for the support, you know, and, uh, and we try to get better every day. You know, hard work is the key. All right, so a ton of updates there from Conan Silvera out of American Top Team. Always enjoy talking to that guy, man. Just, just dude has lived the game, man. I mean – Former fighter himself and is now serving as the head coach of the American Top Team. And honestly, I, I, we probably say it too much. You know, you say, oh, that's a good dude. That's a good dude. But Kona Silvera is uh, really one of the good dudes. Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg. I got to see that fight. You know, I, I told you guys it sounded like the USC was trying to put that together for the end of the year fight. Didn't happen. I hope it still happens. Uh, no offense to Megan Anderson because, you know, Megan Anderson would have been perfect in Perth. But it just seemed like too quick of a turnaround for Cyborg. Um. Yeah, it just. I think we knew right away that wasn't going to happen, especially after going five rounds. You know, had she, had she somehow have gone in there and just knocked out uh, Holly Holm in the first round, then maybe you get the quick turnaround in Perth. But I think we all kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. And then when you go five rounds, is you know, I think a lot of people probably expected was going to happen. You know, that's just it's just too exerting on the body. You know, threw a lot of punches. She said afterwards, her hands kind of hurt a little bit. Um. Weird situation with Megan Anderson. You know, it's not talked about a lot on record by anybody, really. It doesn't seem like anybody talks about it. Everything I've heard is just it's just visa issues. And um, I don't necessarily know what that comes down to. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it feels – and I think that's the reason people feel weird discussing it is because, you know, when you start talking about visa issues, then people start going, well, what could be the issue? But it could be anything. It could be just some paperwork issue. It could, I mean, it could be a number of things. And it just, it's not fair to speculate on what they may be. But my understanding is that um, Megan Anderson, while she trains in the United States, um, can't necessarily fight in the United States. And so that's the problem. So it does sound like Chris Cyborg and Man Nunes is the fight they're going to make. I love the fight. I think it's great. I don't think either fighter has a real clear-cut number one contender right now. So for that reason, I think it makes sense. You're not putting anybody on hold. You're, uh, you're you know, you're, you're just doing a fight between two champions, and I love it. Conan said he thinks it can take place anywhere, and I think he's right. It probably could take place anywhere, but come on. Sounds like there's a pay-per-view, I think, in June in Rio. Do it there. Brazilian versus Brazilian in Brazil. Two champs, two, you know, come on. Do it there, right? That's got to be the place to do it. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Colby Covington update in there. Uh, always got to hear about Colby Covington. Uh, listen, I, I, know, I know. Damn, I wish I had that review in front of me that – Gave us one star because we said we appreciate Colby Covington's stick, but um, I like what he's doing, and I think I think what you hear Conan saying really expresses it. Like, look, there's there's not issues behind the scenes, man. The guy on a daily basis, what he's saying is not what he believes. It's man, it's that double-edged sword right now, right? Like, you gotta sell yourself, you gotta sell yourself, but at the same time, when you sell yourself, then sometimes you offend people, and I. I I'm so stuck in between, man. I, I, you know, like at the end of the day, I feel like I'm kind of a purist in the fact that I, I, I would like this to be just about the fights. I would like this sport to be just about the fights. Uh, 
But it's not. It's not what people click on. It's not what people buy pay-per-views on. It's not it's not what drives interest. It's not just the fights. That's why you know all the podcasts and stuff that are out there, they're not just about technique. They're not just about, you know, takedown defense and who's got the best overhand right or what. It's it's not that, man. The stories that click are about who said what about who. Who who called whose mom a bitch? You know what I mean? That's what it boils down to. Um and I hate that. I do. To be honest, I hate it. I, I, I hate it. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish we didn't force everybody in the sport to be part time actors, part time stand up comedians, you know? But that's that's the truth about it. I mean, this is sporting entertainment. And it's not just about wins and losses. It's about getting people to tune in. And um I don't know. It's interesting to hear the update. You know, the Colby Covington for all the things he said about Brazil um, doesn't have enemies in there with Brazilian coaches and Brazilian fighters and that sort of thing. Yoanny uh, and Jacek getting back into camp. I haven't heard a date yet, but um, yeah, sounds like maybe that rematch might be happening. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, I was I was there in Shanghai and. Um, you know, Conan talked about fighting or talking to Joanna about the fight after it was the first time he had seen her after the fight, and um, I, it was funny because I uh, I was I was there. You know, I was I was standing I was standing next to him when they saw each other. You know, and he kind of gave her a hug, and and they started talking, and um, you know, I I backed my way away from it. Like that's that's a private conversation. You know, coach coaching a fighter, you know, kind of decompressing basically, and. Um, debriefing, I guess, is is, uh, is is maybe the better word. Um, talking about everything, and and um, you know, I I I had been talking to Conan um, before Joanna walked up, and you know, very easily realized, hey, this is not the place for me to be standing. But it was kind of cool to see, you know, just this moment, you know, uh, getting over the difficulty and and the frustration. You know, it was it was cool to see how they both handled it, and. Um, Kind of nice to hear about that. So it sounds like she's getting back into camp. Uh, my understanding, she doesn't have a fight booked yet, but maybe that rematch is going to happen, but but she's going to be there. So I um, thought that was cool. Kyoji Horiguchi, um, listen, that might be the hardest of hardcore reference, but Kyoji Horiguchi's a badass. Man, that kid's a badass. I hope he comes back to the USC. I always said Kyoji Horiguchi coming up, I thought had the ability to beat Demetrius Johnson, but he got rushed into it, man. It was way, 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 way too early in his career. But I thought he had the ability, like the speed and the scrambling ability that he has. And, and that's and listen, when you're saying has the ability to beat Demetrius Johnson, you, you know, you're looking for possibilities. You're not looking for guarantees. Demetrius is phenomenal. To me, the perfect mixed martial artist. So I'm not saying this is the guy that would smoke him, but it's just this is the guy that I thought I thought his speed can match him. I thought his movement can match him, but he got faced up with him too soon, but he's definitely growing and, um, flourishing over in Japan, probably getting paid pretty good in Japan. You know, Risen needs marketable fighters. They need homegrown fighters. It's probably the perfect spot for Kyoji Higuchi, but I hope he comes back to the UFC. Um, the, the kid's got talent, man. The kid really does have talent. And what he did at the new year's, uh, tournament was, was pretty sweet. And then, uh, I, I guess the other thing I'll tell you, I, I want to see Masvidal Bisping. Maybe maybe I'm alone, but I want to see Masvidal Bisping. You know, I'm I'm glad Romero got booked. 
know, people were saying Bisping Romero. I don't want to see that fight. I definitely don't want to see that fight. No offense, man. I love me some Michael Bisping, but I like Bisping Masvidal because there's real heat. There's real, real heat between the two. They don't like each other, and and I don't necessarily know exactly where it stems from. I think it's they just had a couple of confrontations, and they've just kind of built off of it, but they do not like each other. I mean, Michael Bisping, I, I, I believe that – I hope I'm not wrong. I've, I've, I've had a couple of frosty beverages tonight. But I believe uh, in Shanghai, uh, he even was talking shit to Masvidal like after he lost. <laughs> I mean, you think that would be – you know, you're back at the host hotel and – you know, you you think you'd be kind of licking your wounds and and uh, and hiding, and uh, they cross paths and he was still talking shit. So I, I would love that fight. And the thing is, of course, Masvidal is dangerous. Masvidal is dangerous, man. He he's got great striking, right? But he's a lot smaller than Michael Bisping, so I don't worry about necessarily that one big, you know, like Kelvin Gastelum, you know, that big knockout punch. You know, maybe maybe March is too early. You know, maybe London's too early. It doesn't sound like they're trying to book that fight. Uh, in fact, it just doesn't sound like that fight's going to happen. But I'm I'm still kind of holding out hope. But it, it doesn't look likely at all, um, as Conan said. But um, I'm still kind of holding out hope. Uh, I guess you know to tie it into Extreme Couture. You know, Brad Tavares tweeted over the weekend um, that he would he would like to fight Michael Bisping, and he said very very respectfully that he would like to fight Michael Bisping. Um, ran into him while we were at the the seminar with uh, with Dwayne Bang Ludwig, and, and I just kind of followed up with him, and he said. Um, he would do March. He would do March in London. He'd be totally cool with that. So, you know, he can make the turnaround. I don't know if Bisping wants that quick turnaround. I, I, I do feel like even though it's in his best, you know, he wants to fight in England and that I totally understand that. And he deserves that, but it might be in his best interest to let the brain rest a little longer, let the body rest a little longer before he gets in there one more time. So, I think March might be a little aggressive. It sounds like they're still trying to put together a main event. Um, you know, we know there's a couple other European events on the horizon. I don't know if they'll do England twice. Uh, I mean, if they could get a, a Liverpool event with Darren Till later in the year, that would probably make some sense, and, and you could put Bisping on that as well. So we'll see. I, I I wouldn't hate seeing Bisping on that March event, but I, I wouldn't hate seeing him rest himself a little bit either. You know, the, the, all the questions were around that quick turnaround. And of course, it didn't pay off. So, anyway, uh, good talk with Conan Silvera, man. I, I uh, enjoy talking to that cat, man. He's a good dude. So, all right, let's talk about UFC Fight Night 124, Stevens versus Choi. Um, I, hopefully, you saw Duho Choi was uh, was in Las Vegas. We talked to him uh, a week ago. He mentioned, um, you know, how excited he is to be back. Of course, we had to go with the translator. He doesn't speak any English, but, um, you know, how excited he is to be back. He does have uh, to go to his mandatory two-year military duty um about a year from now so he's got about a year a year until that and he'll have a two-year break crazy man you know um south korean that's part of it you gotta serve two years in the military and he's still got his coming up so he wants to make this year busy you know he lost a year after the uh after the incredible cub swanson fight um and he wants to make this year as busy as possible he actually said he wants a title shot I just, I mean, I don't think no matter no matter what he does, no matter what he accomplishes, I just can't see the UFC giving him a title shot, knowing that he's got two years away after that. Like, I mean, what if the guy wins the title and then he's got to sit on the sidelines for two years? Like, nah. I mean, I, I, I like where his head's at, and and hopefully he'll get some big fights, but I just can't see him getting a title shot on the cusp of a two year break. Meanwhile, Jeremy Stevens. 
Jeremy Stevens, of course, I mean, man, the guy's been around forever. Think about the number of fights he's had. It's crazy. I mean, he's creeping up on those all-time records, and he's only 31 years old. And he's already creeping up on them, them all-time records in the UFC. So looks looks good this week, man. It really does look to be good. Um, looks in good health. Looks in good spirits. He's freshly married. Um, says he's more focused than ever. You know, he had that great performance over Gilbert Melendez back in September. This is a great main event. It really is. It's a great main event to start the year. Of course, it's a fight night. Of course, it's not a, a pay-per-view, but it's fun, right? I mean, I just don't see any way that this fight doesn't deliver. But I'm leaning towards Duho Choi. I'm leaning towards Duho Choi. And, you know, this is not one where I'd bet my mortgage payment on it. Because if Jeremy Stevens touches you, if he touches you, you're going to sleep, period. I mean, he's got knockout power in his hands. And he seems to be in a really good headspace. You know, he's talking about he's back at Alliance MMA. You know, he had some issues there. He's worked them out. He's back there. Um, you know, good stuff, right? Like, he's he's in a good spot now. And everything seems to be clicking for him. Personal life, professional life, everything's good for him, Right. Here's the thing, when I look at Duho Choi and I look at this matchup on paper, I think about, you know, Jeremy Stevens throws everything with power. Everything with power. He's coming to you, and he's coming with those big, massive, looping punches. And I feel like Duho Choi, his movement, his management of range, his, his, his strikes up the middle, his straight punches versus the looping shots, I just feel like he's going to be able to take advantage of that. I feel like he's going to, you know, maybe have to weather some shots early. You know, he doesn't have a... A ton of head movement, you know, he's not like a crazy, you know, wild, you know, he's not ducking out like a Dillashaw or Cruz or, you know, just, you know, mad movement in there. So he might get clipped and that could spell the end. But I feel like if he can survive that, he can study, you know, well. And, and I think, you know, he can counter and, and he can be just a little bit quicker to the punch. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, will the time away be too much? You know, Jeremy Stevens has had a couple of fights in the time while. Duho Choi is on the sidelines, so we'll see. I like this main event. It's definitely going to be fireworks, um, but I'm leaning towards Duho Choi. I think maybe <sighs> tough to say he'll get the finish, man. Jeremy Stevens doesn't get finished, but I feel like at least outpoint him. So we'll see. That could all go wrong, man. It's 50-50. <laughs> Jeremy Stevens could bang. The co-main event. Vitor Belfort versus Uriah Hall. Man, I was already intrigued by this matchup, and then I got even more intrigued. Um, two fantastic uh, – well, at least I well, – I hate when somebody says, I had a wonderful interview. Like, who are you to say you had a wonderful interview? Let somebody else judge if your interview is wonderful. So I will not say I had wonderful interviews. I will say I had conversations that I enjoyed with both these men uh, today that just got me even more intrigued for this. So let's start out with Vitor Belfort. Uh, Vitor Belfort, we know this is his retirement fight. 40 years old now. Seems content. You know, he had talked in the past about a Legends League. Doesn't sound like he's necessarily uh, interested in doing that anymore as far as competition, but does sound like he wants to stay involved in MMA. Um, but I had a chance to sit down and talk to Vitor Belfort. His service dog was there, which was awesome. Um, but he sat down and we just kind of reflected on his career a little bit and where he stands and how he, you know, how he knows this is the right time and... Um. Yeah, this is this is what we talked about. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the discussion. Is we just kind of talk about what Vitor is is doing and what he wants to do next. 
Well, Vito, I guess there's been a lot of uh, speculation, we'll say, about what's going on, you know, whether whether this is going to be the last fight. But have you been able to, to say for sure, win or lose, yeah. this is the last one? Yeah, that's the last one. <laughs> People don't expect that, no? People are like, oh my God. Yeah, I think it's just, <clears throat> I made a plan a long time ago that I was going to, you know, I was praying that I asked God to, I can fight in 240. And, and here I am, you know, and I made through it. A lot of things, a lot of challenging, you know, in the way. But I think I had the longest career in the sport, I think, so far. Relevant, you know, not, not just fighting to fight, it's just relevant. I fight, I fought the greatest guys in the, you know, upcoming, they're old school. So I had a great, you know, had great victories. I learned from my defeats, you know, it's a, my my failures was I transformed in success somehow. You know, it's not the way we want it, but that's kind of the way life is for all of us. And here I am, you know, just closing my chapter in in this octagon and focusing my business. You know, I have Belfort Fitness Lifestyle is a fitness program that I create. I have been creating for years, and and now the baby born. We're so successful. We have so much now things to do and and i'm ready to start franchising this year traveling all over the, the country giving people be able to own their own business and provide health and, and well and i think i always say health comes with wealth you know so provide this for the american people they can enjoy and have great workout you know and train like a professional but in a small way how did you know for sure? I mean, you said you had this plan to fight till 40, but when you get to 40, you still got to make the decision, right? Like, yes, I'm, I'm ready to walk away. How did you know for sure? I mean, this sport has been such a big part of your life for so, so long. How did, how did you know, yes, I am ready to walk away? It's just, it's just like <clears throat> knowing that the time, you know, in life, you got to set up a time, you know, like, you know, nothing's for sure in this life. I say that nothing's for sure, but what, what makes sure? It's your will. I'm willing, you know, it's my terms, you know, that's why I did what I did, you know, I'm happy with what I accomplished for the sport inside Octon and outside as well. So I know I can contribute to the sport so much, you know, not just, you know, I think I had my as long career I could have, and I'm thankful, and I can contribute a lot for the sport for sure, but I'm, I'm focusing on things that I, my passion, my heart is my, my, my heart is towards that and I'm excited man it's a is the money it's always a consequence of a loving and hard work so I'm willing to I, I, I did what I did and now it's time that's people got accepted and I, I do accept it and I'm happy about it nice when you you know training camp what was training like knowing that this was it I mean was it easy to find motivation because this was the last one? Was it, was it hard to find motivation? Did you enjoy the process more? Did you dread it? I mean, what was that like? I think I'm just I'm more relaxed and very joyful for what this opportunity, you know, the closing the chapter. I think it's motivation is in, in everywhere. You know, you can find motivation or you don't. You know, you can, you can have both. That's, that's, I think, life, you know. When you wake up, you got to go through the same thing. You gotta go to the bathroom, wash your face, brush your teeth. How people find motivation to keep doing the same things every day. And when you have kids and when you have wife, 
and when you have a family, you gotta provide, and then you got a job. So the studies show that 95% hate their jobs. Man, thinking about the world, you know, almost like almost the whole world hate what they do. So I love what I do, and I'm having this opportunity to help people get healthy and be better. And I'm closing the chapter. That's that sounds fantastic. You know, no better, more, more, better motivation than that. What will you miss the most? I mean, it's it's nice money, big paychecks. There's the fame, you know, walking out to the crowd and people cheering for you. There's the competition, you know. There's the feeling of victory. What is it that you'll miss the most? It, yeah, I think when you when you when you satisfy and when you go in your terms, you know, the missing part is it's it's something that. We miss a lot of stuff, but I think that's I'm I'm happy, you know. I'm, my body need that, you know. I think I'm I'm going to that journey now, to the second journey. So I see the retirement for me is different than how people see it. So I'm not gonna, you know. I'm I'm happy. I'm content, you know. I'm 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 content with my life. I don't depending on the lights. You know, I'm, I'm don't live out of that. I don't live out of like, man, I need that. That feed my ego. That's not what feed my egos, you know. What feed my egos is when I see someone changing their life, you know, how someone become a better person. This is what feed my ego to tell you the truth. So I'm going to miss a lot of stuff, but it's part of life. You got to know the time to start. You have the time to end. So it is. So you don't think you'll be one of those guys that gets an itch a couple years down the road and say, you know, we've seen so many people retire and then a few years later they say, give me one more. I got to I gotta try that one more time. You don't think that'll be you? You, you don't, you never say never, but you know, my focus now, it's my heart now, it's, I'm, I'm content. I think I can be, for sure, I have the ability in business and especially in the business that we're talking that I know the business as well, but I'm, I think I'm capable with with knowledge to be able to work with the sport and helping the sport get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's no doubt about it. I have so much ideas, I have so much knowledge, so many things I can do it and to be contributing. And, and for me, working behind scenes sometimes, you know, in life, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm content with the, the lights. The light was there, I was there. And, and time to go, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm not like the kind of guy that feed out of that, you know, like besides the paycheck is great. But remember, money is something that I can provide, you know, so many things that I'm in business can provide money. But but I think it's more than money. It, it's like a, what I have in my hands is I, I see a big, big, big opportunity to be able to make other people wealthy and healthy. That's for me, it's, it's where relies more than money. How do you want people to remember you? I mean, you came as the phenom, the teenager, you know, we, we saw you literally grow up in front of our eyes. You had good days, you had bad days, you had controversy, you had a little bit of everything in your career. How do you want people to look back and, and think of Vitor Belfort? Uh, that's a good question because it's hard for you to make you want to think what I think out of me. So. I know that a lot of people are going to think different stuff, but I think uh, I was a man that knew, admit my mistakes, I'm trying to get better, you know, not afraid to take risks, a man who, who faced the fears, who lived his dreams, so many stuff I think is out there. 
and one day I'll be able to write my story and, and be able to to be black, we call it black and white, and people can see and hear things that you reporters never took out of me. And I'll be able to share that with people, with my history. Who knows? You know, one day my life can become a movie and we can, they, can, they can really dig in in, in the privacy and, and, and what people, very curiosity, the real, the real thing, you know, like being sad for me and uh, for sure, I promise my friend that I'll be able to share a lot and give a lot. I still have a lot to give and it's just, we're still beginning. I think now the, the 40s are the new 20s, so I'm beginning the second journey of my life. And I'm excited. I hope so, because I'm turning 40 in March, so hopefully it's like the new 20s. So you still feel like people don't know you or don't maybe understand the whole truth about you? You still feel like there's things that people just didn't get to see? For sure. You know, a lot of stuff, you know, the things that are called private. And I think that that's what drives people to TMZ, you know, the private. People want to know it, you know, what made him, what was his mistakes, what was... I want to share all my failures, I think, because the way I see failures is different than the way the world describes failures. Failures for me is, is success. So the more you share your failures, the more successful you become and you make people understand that it's okay to fail, you know, don't be afraid. You know, today, people are so afraid to try new things, to, to go ahead and, and become some, something in life and people are afraid. I try things and, and I'm not. Um, I think that's what one of the things that people are going to remember it was, uh, you know, when I was 18 years, seven, 16 years old, I said, this is going to become the biggest sport in the world. And people call me crazy and here we are. So I think we are very much, we can be very much ahead of the game. We, the sport is still not where it's going to be. You know, we have Olympics to be one day. To be there, a lot of things got to change. Starting with the, I say the most important thing in the sport people don't realize is, is the safety. And we know that the safety is not there yet. You know, people are, oh man, I love war. Oh, it's great, war is great, but you don't want your son to go to war. You want other people to fight the war. So when I mean war, I mean, we need the sport. MMA is a very sport with skills. So we need more skills less damage and we need to start we don't have even our our material headgear shin pads we use everything from all the martial arts we don't have mma gear we don't have mma rules yet in the sense of what we can we can become less bloody sport more entertaining more high-end sport you know we don't have still sponsorship we don't have banks we don't have uh, insurance companies so we we have a long way to to walk in the world that in my point of view that and that's what I want to contribute to the sport so where we can go from here we can go to a place that people understand imagine MMA in Olympics it's just, just imagine is, is impossible for you to imagine because MMA can take every sport they can be the biggest sport in the Olympics okay but how are we gonna get there you know, what we need to do, what we need to sacrifice. And, and sometimes people are afraid to sacrifice, to change some stuff, create some stuff. Who knows? The Legend League, you know, so many things out there, they still going to take guts. You know, we need people with, with guts. You say, we, we got to go. Just like Lorenzo had guts to put all his money, you know, and believe in Dana's vision. 
so we need to we need to have the now we need to have the same kind of mentality that these guys had years ago to go to the next level. So even though you're going to be focused on your fitness and your gym business, you're not going away from mixed martial no, arts. No, I want to I want to I want to contribute. I have so much to contribute. And the future is, is there, you know, it's it's the opportunity is always going to be there and I'm willing for, I'm looking for a great opportunity and, and that's all I ask. If you give me an opportunity, you give me access, the money is going to be there and everything is going to be there. Is there a night you look back on your career and think that was the greatest, that was the best that ever happened to me? Oh man, I think so many nights was good. I had some bad nights as well. <laughs> so I had it all, you know, I can say that I had it all. It's gonna be kind of a wrap. I had it all. I had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Any regrets? Any anything that sure, you that sure. you say, man? I wish I could have changed this. I wish I would have done this differently. So many things. If you don't have regrets, I think you waste of living. You know, who doesn't regret? Nobody's God. And we can be son of God, but we are disobeying and we are we don't have the right behavior. You know, we make mistakes and we fail, and that's part of life. That's what makes Steve Jobs who he is, Bill Gates who he is, Warren Buffett who he is. So failures, Albert Einstein's failures make great things, you know. That's what the world is today, you know, we're here. I'll be able to talk to these cameras because someone was willing to take a risk and try new things and create this camera, create this microphone. And, and I think that's the world, it's the guys that make things happen. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to be remembered one of the guys that makes things happen. And I, I mess a lot of things happen too. <laughs> a lot of things I mess up. So that's who I am. So we're talking about this career retrospective, but you've got a fight on your hands, yes, right? Yes. You've got Uriah Hall, a very dangerous guy. Uh, I want to ask, when they came to you with this name, I, I mean... proud. You know me, I'm looking for a great competition. You know, he's a great competitor. He's one of the best in the division. He's an upcoming legend, like coming up, coming these guys, you know, he's going to become a legend of the sport, no doubt it. And he's a great competitor. I'm, I'm looking forward for Sunday and having fun. And this is my last competition. What's it's a great opponent. I was going to say, what's it going to be like? Have you thought about, you know, walking in? I mean, you've done it so many times, but will you take a little extra second to look around, maybe soak it in a little bit, you know, knowing this is the last time? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Simple as it is. I enjoy the ride and I have a last ride. One more wave to surf. How do you go out on this one? I mean, is it uh, is it important to you that, that you go out on a winning note? Does that matter to you or is it more just... just I want to fight my best fight. I want to have my best night. It's hard. Like, of course, I want to win, but I don't have control of that. You know, I, I wish I, I had undefeated career. You know, I wish I never fell. I wish every day was perfect. I wish... But I wish is not what it is, you know. I wish today wasn't raining, but it's raining. So things that you cannot control, it's a waste of time thinking about, you know, thinking about that. So what I can control, I want to go out there and do my best on Sunday night. That's all my coaches, my family, my friends, my parents, my fans, not all of them. Some of them say, you got to win, you got to win. So, of course, but I don't control that. If I could... Everybody will be rich, healthy, nobody will die, but that's not the world we live. So today, a lot of people die, a lot of people are surfing. So that's the world we live in. We need to learn how to deal with good and bad.
right, so Vitor Belfort putting the fighting career behind him, but says he does want to stay involved in MMA. And uh, I think he will, man. I think he'll continue to be. He, he, the guy is a superstar in Brazil. The guy truly is a superstar in Brazil. And I think he has the ability to still be um, a meaningful voice in the sport. And I know he's been a controversial figure. Um, I got to be honest. There was one question I wanted to ask him. And I didn't ask him in the pre-fight. And I'll I'll probably try to find a way to ask it post-fight. But he was in a good spot. And, and I don't know, man. That, we're allowed access to these fighters ahead of time. And, and sometimes I worry about, um, you know, getting into their head too much or, or their psyche too much ahead of time. But the one thing I do want to ask him is, uh, and maybe it's just me, man. Maybe, maybe I was... Maybe I failed today as an interviewer, man. Maybe I failed today as an interviewer. But I wanted to ask it, but it just never felt like the right time. I want to ask him if he regrets doing TRT. I really want to ask him that. And for those of you that don't know, um, Bitor and I had an incident in Brazil years ago. Um, we're, we're way past it. It's almost not even worth rehashing at this point, but... You know, we, we've talked about in the past, and that might have been some of my hesitancy today because we've had issues talking about his TRT use in the past, and and and, and I felt like we were in a good spot today. And I, I I just don't like getting like upsetting fighters on the week of a fight. Like I feel like show a little bit of respect for what they have to do and where they have to get themselves, um, and 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 maybe there'll be a better time. But I do want to ask him if he regrets doing TRT. It's such a weird thing, man. It was legal. It was legal for a while, right? I mean, I remember clearly a press conference. And, you know, Dana White was talking about Dan Henderson. And I think it was actually the scrum afterwards. So I say I remember clearly. I remember fuzzily. Um, but I remember Dana talking about the fact that, like, isn't science wonderful? You know, we have this testosterone stuff where fighters can extend their career. And it's like, yeah, man, that is cool. You know, you got these guys that have been around forever, and now they can help their bodies recover, and they can continue. And, you know, this is not a sport where you make a lot of money, so if you can continue your earning, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, you know. But, man, man, then you go back and look at the way Vitor looked when he was on testosterone. It's like, Ugh. yeah, maybe this isn't good. <laughs> you know, this does not look natural. So, But I wonder if he regrets it because, man, you know, it was legal. He wasn't cheating. He wasn't doing anything wrong. But at the same time, it, it just, it puts an asterisk next to the results, right? I mean, it just does. It takes away from your accomplishments. And that's that's basically what the whole source of our original conflict was, was I just wanted to ask him, like, is it frustrating to you that, you know, it's, it's even like steroids in baseball, right? Like, just pushing steroids into your body doesn't make you hit a ball over a fence, right? I mean, you, you still have to put the work in the gym. Like, you, you know, you, the, the steroids help you recover, but you still got to, you know, do the, the weight work and the strength work and all that. And, of course, you still have to have that hand-eye coordination. And So it's not like just shooting drugs makes you amazing at sports. You still have to, like, work really hard and practice, but it gives you an unfair advantage over your competition because you're able to recover faster and you're able to work more and you're able to do more things than other people are because their body doesn't hold up to it. So you have this amazing run, you have these amazing accomplishments, and, you know, if you could do it all, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to, like, throw everything back into disrepute, but it's just, 
if you could do it all over again, would you just be like, holy shit, I wish, I wish I never would have done it so that I never had to answer these questions. I never had to have these concerns around me. And, and again, man, it's a, I mean, it's a different era. You know, his, you look at the, the, the span of the career that he's had, like, oh my God, you go back in the old days, everybody was on drugs. Nick Diaz was right. Everybody was on drugs, you know? It was a different scenario, especially, you know, fighting over in Japan, over in Pride. I mean, people will tell you, you know, there were specific clauses in the contract that we will not test for steroids. So, I don't know. Hopefully, I'll be able to ask him after the fight. And uh, I just I just didn't want to. Uh, anyway, I, maybe I failed. If I failed, I apologize. It's one of those regrets now that I'm going to have. All right. Uh, listen, another interview, though, that I did want to touch on. Uriah Hall, my goodness, Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall has not always enjoyed speaking with the media, <laughs> to say the least. He has had some some bad times. He has just basically hated talking to the media at times. But he's started to loosen up a little bit lately. And, you know, uh, my son does work at Extreme Couture. I've, I've crossed paths with Uriah a few times at Extreme Couture. And it's just, you know, cordial hello, quick whatever quick discussion nothing crazy but maybe that helped a little bit you know maybe that helped him feel a little bit more comfortable but I know he's hated talking with the media but I did want to sit down and talk to him because I do feel like the win over Christoph Jotko uh earlier this year was or well I should say late last year you know September was a big one man you know the, the whole thing the whole book on Uriah was he's a front runner he's a front runner and if he gets you know if he's not able to be the bully he folds, and he got pushed, and he got tested, and he came back, and he won the fight. And I thought, to me, it was just like a transitional moment in his career, man. And and it's just one moment of fight, and who knows what happens next. But to me, I saw an athlete change. I saw a moment where he was tested, and everything was different. And um, I wanted to talk to you, right about that. And um, I thought it was pretty cool to, to hear what he had to say because uh, – I think he was on the same page as me. Let's talk about your last fight, man. Big, right. big win last time out. Uh, to me, from the outside looking in, I almost feel like that was like a career change or like you know, like a like a moment in your life. Am I am I reading too much into that, or is that like no, a, you're a, a right. moment? You're absolutely right. Am I looking at you? The camera. You, you mean, look at me. All right. So honestly, you know, the the the, the fight started out kind of cool. I know he was weird, very unorthodox. Decided to keep going. Couldn't find my footing. Timing was off. He was just weird. He reminded me of the first guy I fought to get in an ultimate fight. It was just very unorthodox. And, you know, that uppercut plus the unorthodox neck shook me up a little bit. Weather the storm. In the midst of all that, I was definitely in my head saying, what the heck am I doing? Okay, I even got caught with that. But I'm a perfectionist. I'm always hard on myself. There was a point, though, when he had my back with the rear naked choke. And I remember saying, I'm done, I'm done after this, I'm, I'm really done. And I felt a certain way where I wasn't, you know, in a, the complete lock. And after that, it was autopilot for me. My body took over, still went through it. Second round came, coaches spoke to me, they were cool and calm about it. Eric was giving me some pointers. Clayton was just trying to keep me cool. And went back out there, said, okay, let me readjust. Still couldn't do it. Had a moment to say, you know what? Can I curse? Absolutely. I literally said, fuck this shit. I was like, I'm tired of this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this motherfucker. And then it happened. And, you know, you're right. It, it was like a career change because 
for a long time, I haven't embraced the fact that I'm a badass. You know, I hear it and people tell me to be humble. I'm always in my own head. I'm like, all right, because the martial arts karate way is like, I can hurt you, but I got to be cool. But I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in a fucking most dangerous sport in the world. Like, I don't have to do that. You know, I don't have to feel sorry for you. So I think I'm at that phase. And I've heard a quote that says, you have two lives. And the second one begins when you realize you have one. I'm like, you know what? I got one. That's awesome. Along the way, man, you know, you had the, the, the losses and the setbacks and all that. I mean, did anybody ever pull you aside and be like, you're right, you were too damn good to be letting this happen, man? I've had that so many times from close friends or even fans. But in anything you do, even for your career, you know, if you don't see for yourself how good you are, it means nothing. You can't change, readjust, or add stuff. You know, everyone could say stuff, but when you see it for yourself, makes a complete difference. And I didn't have that. I would have people all the time, you know, everybody, dude, you this. Even Dana would be like, dude, I wish I could plug a fucking controller in your ass and play. But if I don't see it, it would never mean anything. And, you know, when, when you start to embrace it, and that's one of the things I've learned, where my mom was telling me to embrace it, you know, it, it's okay to feel that way. Embrace it. Embrace the fact that you can hurt somebody. Embrace the fact that you have all this skill set. Embrace it. Accept it. And go out there and fuck shit up. Was it just self-confidence? You know, I don't want to put a label on things because self-confidence is, is just believing in yourself. And I definitely believe in myself. But if you look at the fact that I do it in, outside the cage and the difference in the cage, there's always something holding me back. And I don't think it was the confidence. It was the fact that it's okay to do what I do. And I, I just wasn't okay with that for a long time because I love to compete. But a lot of people know I don't like to hurt people. But to understand that, hey, you can actually really hurt someone and it's okay, I just kind of came to grip with that and say, shit, it's okay. That's amazing. So the lesson learned in the cage, is that translating to practice on a daily basis? Is that translating to your life on a daily basis? Or is that only like, you know, the moment the bell rings? I definitely think the lesson that I learned is translating to practice differently. Um, I always had a fear in the cage because I would, you know, coach will tell you, he'll be like, all right, let's do some round in the cage. I'm like, ah, I like the cage. And if I can go back to when I competed against Kelvin, um, and someone said something the other day. He was telling me about, he's one of my best friends. He was telling me about the fear he had of flying. And he said it started back when he had this really bad incident where he was in the plane or whatever and was flying. And it was some kind of crazy turbulence. And it lasted for a while. And he said that he's never felt so scared. He said something happened where he was just shooken up after that. Where he'd never experienced it, but it hit him so hard. And I started to think for myself and I went back that the only time I've ever felt that way was when I fought Kelvin, where I came out of the show, I had all this pressure and everybody in my ear. And I was like, oh my God, I have to win. And if you look back at what I did in the show, people were like, well, how did you do all this on the show? Because I didn't have all that. For me, it was just, all right, this is where I need to go. Let me get over there. And you know, I had momentum. I had people I had to prove wrong back home that I lost my job from. And when I got to the, the Ultimate Fighter finale, I was just so overwhelmed, so scared, so nervous, and had all this pressure that I broke, and I couldn't really pull that trigger. Aside of the fact that he's, you know, my good friend too, so that played a part. But I just think now, you know, again, it's just going back to the fact that I'm embracing it, and I've never done that before. So I definitely think the transition that I made in that adjustment is definitely helping me outside the ring in life too, because mm -hmm. that's important as well, but definitely inside a training camp, you know, in the cage, around my my, uh, my sparring partners and stuff like that. So does it almost feel like, like this is the start of your career? Like all that was just <laughs> leading up to like, now it's officially launching? I definitely feel like that. You know, even when you do feel like that, there's always that little 
thing in your head like, hey man, don't get too happy, Mo, you know? <laughs> but I, I definitely do because this camp has been rocky, man. I've been training for nine weeks. I didn't even stop training after my last fight. And three weeks ago, my body shut down. And my coach was like, dude, you didn't stop training. And I, I just realized I didn't stop training. Like I was there every day. And in the midst of all that, you know, one of my coaches took his life, Robert Fallis, and then I actually lost a best friend too. And that happened the day after each other. And then prior to that, I was sick. I was sick for like three weeks leading up to that. So with all of that, I was breaking. I mean, I, I called my sister. I, almost, I pretty much cried almost every night. I called my sister and said, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. What do I do? You know, I called my mom and my mom's like, listen, you got to embrace it. It's happening. And you have to accept that it's happening. It's a part of life. People die. It's happening. You have to accept the fact that it's happening. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't fight. I can't fight. I can't fight like this. It's a big fight for me and I can't. And she kept stressing that. So I redirect my approach, bringing certain people around me. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Focusing on the important people around me. Like, I'm, you know, I know you have a son or whatever. It's important to you, you know, your wife, you, the close people around you. That's what's really important. And people tell you all the time, hey, YOLO, live right now. But unless it really happens to you, you won't see it. And I think the fact that Robert and I was close and it happened to me, I really saw that, shit, I'm not going to make it out of this alive. So why am I putting all this pressure on myself, you know? And that was a moment for me. That's tough, man. So the past three weeks since all that, I mean, are, I mean, are you feeling good? I mean, you feel like you're in a good place now? I, I feel like I'm in a great place. You know, again, I think it's just the surrounding of the, the positive reinforcement of the people. The really important ones, like take Instagram. I got like 200,000 followers. I probably know 12 of those people really well. I don't know everybody else. So it's like, why am I going to focus on all these, you know? So it's focus on the right people. And of course, having those people uh, reminding you, like my little brother's always reminding me not to stress the little things, uh, seeing what's really important, you know, which is time, time you can't really give back, time you invest with people, your family, your friends. And I, it just kind of made me zone in on what's really important. And you know what, I've been taking this serious, but it's really not that serious. It's, it's a part of my journey. You know, if I don't make it, I don't make it. If I do, I do. But at the same time, I want to say, you know what, I did what I could and I gave it my best. And I think God is just constantly trying to remind me that, hey, I gave you all this talent. Don't throw it away for nothing. So I'm starting to be like, oh, shit, thank you, God. You know, seems like you're even more comfortable doing this. I mean, for the longest time, you, you hated talking to us, right? I mean, is, is, that a, is that a byproduct of this or are you just uh, putting out a happy face for people? I mean, I mean if I could be honest, Dana paid me. And no, 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 no. I, I actually do. And I have Coach Clayton to thank for that because for a long time, he's always like, son they're not all bad champ you know you, you you inspire people some time too you know not everybody's going to come at you with negative affirmation it, it's a part of your career it, it comes with it and it pays the bill but it's going back to what happened to me too and just realizing that you know what as much as people pick and choose certain things maybe there's something that they pick and choose that could help somebody like what i started to do this whole new year's I'm never big on New Year's resolution. So what I started to do, I actually made a plan. Because I'm like, man, every day is New Year. I'm not doing this shit like everybody. But I wrote down stuff that I needed to do. A part of it was letting go of the negative affirmation. Letting go of the things that really don't help me. Even the people. I even cleared out my phone list. I probably have like 25 to 30 people in my phone list. And I had over a thousand. So it's small things like that to really 
cleanse myself. You know, I train my body all the time as an athlete, but one of the most important things that I always forget to train is my mind. And the enemy would fight you in your mind because this is your more your most powerful tool. So I guess you can say I'm comfortable with it because I'm embracing it. It comes with it. I'm accepting it. And all I got to do is be myself. You know, I was a dick in the past and it's because you, you get hurt so many times and I was mad at the media for portraying certain things, but that's them. And I can't be mad at that. Some people are going to like you. Some people are going to not. But as long as you're yourself, you don't have to explain to your friends and your family. Very cool. All right. Well, let's talk about the fight itself. You mentioned it's a big one, man. Vitor Belfort, yeah. legend of the sport. So when they came to you with this fight, what was your initial thought? Man, how did this even start? I think uh, I must have thrown some names, but it was highly recommended. A couple people threw it at me, including the matchmaker, even Ali, uh, one of the managers for a lot of the fighters. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure, no problem. And I, I didn't think about it as much. But then when it happened and he accepted the fight, I was like, all right, we have ourselves a scrap. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I have nothing bad to say about Vitor. He's a legend in the sport. He accomplished a lot. He fought so many people. And, you know, there's outside fights, too. I know people or him, you know, he's done um, uh, steroids and uh, other things. You know, I know he had a loss in family. His sister was kidnapped or taken away at a young age, I'm guessing. But I, don't, I try not to focus on the, the negative affirmation again. Everyone has their battles outside and no one sees that, you know, everyone sees when you're in there and they say you're as good as your last fight. Great guy. I met him a couple of times. I think I met him in Kuruchiba last time and he was actually giving me some advice about losing weight and stuff like that. So I have nothing bad to say about him. It's just a, a wonderful opportunity to go up against a legend, you know, and I'm not focused too much on having his name on my resume, but at the same time say, hey, you went up against one of the best. Yeah, I mean, it's, he said going in, this is his retirement fight. This is this. I mean, this is a part of the history books, right? I mean, this yeah. is the final fight. So is it, oh, yeah. Does it feel kind of like a like a big fight for you? It feels big, but I'm I'm, I'm not putting too much pressure on it. You know, it's it's like I'm I'm, I'm leaving that to to God. You know, I already prepared for this. If it goes out the way I planned, then I feel great. If it doesn't, then I can't take anything away from myself. But I, I'm not planning on that side of it. I'm just more excited to showcase my true self and you know like Bruce Lee said to, to do something like this you have to express yourself and it's the scariest thing I've ever done but the more I keep doing that scared the more I feel like I'm stepping outside my comfort zone and I'm growing you know I think a little differently I'm not just in it for the limelight it comes with it the money the fame I used to get freaked out about it. people approach me like hey man leave me alone but it comes with it and if I can shine a light a little bit on somebody then that's cool very cool. Well, it's been an interesting journey to get here, but it feels like it's the start of a journey in the same way. So, you know, you mentioned it. What's what's the goals right now? I mean, are, do you have little things that you want to do professionally this year? You know, the near future. What's what's the direction right now? Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to be champion. I'm, I definitely see my eyes set on that. You know, um, aside from playing the politic and game, you know, some people they hide around fighters to get to that. I'm, I'm ready to fight anybody. I already have two people I want to call out after this. There's some up-and-comers, you know, they're hungry, and I think it's the best way to remind these guys that they're not ready. So I'm excited about that too. Definitely want the champ, Robert Whitaker. I fought him a long time ago. I wasn't at my best, but I'm not going to take anything away from him. I definitely want to go up against the number one contender, which is Luke Rockhold. You know, I, I see a lot of holes, and I definitely think I can take him. And I'm just ready to jump out there, man. It's like I'm finally coming out of that shell, and it's an exciting feeling. No doubt. Well, I guess it all starts on Sunday. Vitor Belfort, uh, when you play this thing out in your mind, man, how do you see it? Because it, it, on, on paper, it looks like it could be short but fun. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a karate guy, you know, background. And for me, it's all about timing. When I have good timing, precision, I'm, I'm going for the KO. I'm going for the win. 
um, if it goes a distance, you know, I'm, I'm coming at him because I don't think a lot of people come in Vitor. And for the few that do, you know, they take him out. So that's my game plan. Come at him. Love this co-main event. Love where both these guys' heads are at. It's a Vitor that's at peace. Um... It's a Uriah Hall that's ready to accept his role as a as a as a dude that hurts people. Um, you know, I picked Uriah Hall coming into this fight. I think that's still probably the right pick. Vitor is forty. You know, it's 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 the end of a, of an era for him, so to speak. But Vitor is still dangerous. He's still dangerous. So. Uh, excited for this coming. Jessica Rose Clark, Paige Van Zant. Um, we'll have a chance to talk to both these ladies. I thought about pushing the podcast back a day again because this is Sunday. I mean, I just got in town today, did a couple of interviews. Thought maybe uh, we we could push back a day, but um, you know, hey, people got their routines. I, I I would not be so bold as to say I'm an irreplaceable part of anybody's day, uh, but I know people got their little routines and. Uh, I'm kind of OCD myself about my routines. I wouldn't want to mess anybody's flow up. So I figured, you know what, we'll just do it. But going to talk to Jessica Rose Clark and Paige Van Zandt um, on Friday. Big fight for Paige Van Zandt. Of course, always had the hype behind her. You know, always had the the, the UFC PR train behind her. But, man, this is a fight she has to win. She has to win. Uh, No offense to Jessica Rose Clark, but, you know, this is not a superstar. You know, Paige Van Zandt has lost to the upper echelon. Jessica Rose Clark may be upper echelon, but she hasn't proven herself there yet. Um, so I think this is a fight that Paige Van Zandt really, really needs to win. Meanwhile, Jessica Rose Clark, who I'll just say my staff picks, I picked Jessica Rose Clark coming in. I think she's bigger. I think she's stronger. Um, there's some things that, that you know I like about her game. But personal tragedy she's dealing with. Did you see her tweets? Um, somehow, and, and, and we'll definitely talk to her about it tomorrow, Somehow, um, she's she's found out that her back home in Vegas, somebody broke into her apartment, stole all of her stuff, like stole everything she has, which is just brutal enough. But then on top of that, apparently, kicked her cat, um, and kicked her cat so hard, um, that it caused internal injuries, that the cat had to be put down, and. <sighs> I mean, I could see some people, oh, what do you do cat? I mean, dude, anybody that's a pet owner. I mean, listen, b- before my wife and I had a son, like our, 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 our pets were our kids, you know? And, of course, that changes, when you know, once you have a, a human child. But when you don't, I mean, those are your kids. Those, those are your your friends, you know? Those are your, your you know, ah, it's part of the family. So to, you know, have the indecency done to you, number one, of having all your shit stolen while you're out of town getting ready for a fight. And again, we're talking about fighters who, man, this game is physical, but it's mental. It's so much about the mindset. And, you know, in the days leading up to your fight, you're dealing with, you know, a burglary of your house. And then on top of that, the loss of your pet, like, I just... Ah, I can't imagine, man. I just can't imagine. So we will, um, I don't know, we'll try to talk to Jesse just tomorrow. So, you know, keep a lookout for that on MMA Junkie. Um, but uh, incredibly, incredibly difficult to deal with. Emil Meek 
Kamar Usman kicking off the uh, the main card. Good fight. Emil Meek is dangerous. Uh, you know, been been privy to uh, you know Emil Meek's career before he came into the UFC. It was actually uh, commentating his fight uh, over in Venator um, when he beat Husmar Paharis. That was a, a pretty spectacular win for him there, and then uh, has since made his way to the UFC. Um, dangerous, dangerous guy, but Kamaru Usman, almost a disservice to him. I mean, you think about what he's done, 6-0 and at this point in the UFC, like, just almost doesn't seem fair. Like, he should be fighting a, 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 a higher-ranked opponent. That's no disrespect to Emil Meek, because I think Emil Meek's, I mean, he's dangerous. He's dangerous, but Kamaru Usman, um, upset, man. Very, very frustrated, and um, yeah, just not happy with, with the way things are going. Says, look, you know, I, I will continue to take fights because that's what I do. I'm a fighter. Um, but I expect a little bit of respect shown to me after this fight. And I think he's right. I think he's right. And, you know, he's, he's aiming at the top of the division. He definitely has Colby Covington in mind. Um, I, I, I think it's a big moment. It's just here for Cameron Usman. I, I, I like Cameron. I, you know, I had a chance to call, a couple of fight cards with him, t- Titan FC. I was working on that for a while. Unfortunately, the uh, fine folks at USA Day Sports didn't allow me to call fights anymore, <laughs> which I miss. Uh, shout out to Shodan Joe, who's done a fine job uh, taking over for me. But um, had, a, had a had a chance to be coming. He's a good dude, man. I, I really enjoyed kind of picking his brain a little bit and, and getting to know him better. And uh, really think uh, he is a danger again. No, this is no freebie fight. This is this is Emil Meeks a tough dude, but uh, Cameron expects something big if he picks up a win here. Quite the uh, quite the journey to get here to this fight, you know, and moving dates and possibly changing opponents and all that stuff. I mean, how difficult was it for you to just kind of stay focused and and, and realize the task at hand? It, it was difficult. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. It, it was difficult because I mean, if you look basically at the body of work this is not the fight that i should be in but at the end of the day you know make no mistake i don't overlook anybody i made that mistake one time and and i will not make that mistake again i I prepare and one of the biggest reasons of why i i felt like this shouldn't have been the fight was because i know how i prepare i prepare for each fight like i'm going into a championship fight with tyron woodley and so when you put that much stress and strain on your body, you want to make sure it's paying off. And when you continue to get the gut level of guys, quote unquote, the guys that aren't ranked up there that will elevate you towards getting that fight, it's frustrating. So initially I was frustrated a bit, but I got over that. Once you start training, and you know, there's a time where you flip the switch. You make the switch like, okay, this is a guy that wants to get locked in the cage with me for a fist fight, and I have to, I have to make it happen. And so once I made that switch, it smooth sailing to ten. Nice, your last performance, man, fantastic performance last time out. Got to ask you, I me, mean, how just personally satisfying was that result for you? You know, kind of breaking the, the decision runs that you'd have, getting that finish, and then also you know beating a, a name opponent. Initially, for me, it's all initial. Like boom, literally right when it happened. But right after that, I, I'm, I'm over it. It's what's next. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, yeah, I know that's what the fans like. That's what they want to see. But I'm more impressed with 
my decision, my unanimous decision victories because that that's what I do. Even since I was wrestling, I, I, I got into this for competition, to compete. And so when I go in there with a the guy, it's not just, okay, maybe I put my head down swing, maybe I land that punch or not and the guy's asleep, or maybe I were rolling around and I catch him in the quick submission that he wasn't expected. You know, no, I, I want to beat this guy. I want to break this guy. I want to dominate him from start to finish. And so it, it, that, that guy knows that when, you, when we go into a fight, you train, you give it your all because this is your livelihood, this is your well-being. As a man, this is what you do. And so when you get in there, you know mentally that you put everything that your body physically was capable of into that training camp and you get in there and another man just dominates you and breaks you. That, that does something to someone's soul. And that, that, that's what I aim to do each and every time. And so when I can get that done, that, that's, that's amazing. But don't make no mistake, I can close the show as well. No doubt. You, so you get that big win and then as you said, you get matched up with Emil Meek. I think a lot of people were surprised, right? That you maybe deserve somebody further up the ladder. But this is the UFC, everybody's dangerous. So once you got over that, Break him down. What do you see? I mean, are there things about him that you that you do respect and say, oh, he, he does have some dangerous positions? Yeah, I mean, I respect him. I respect him as a fighter. I think, uh, you know, he's a tough guy. He's a guy that that I, I believe likes to fight. There, there are certain types of fighters that they, they just love. Some guys just love to fight. There's a couple guys in the division that, and I keep my eye on everybody in the UFC, not just in my division, but guys like him and Darren Till, I think these guys like to fight. For me, it's not so much, I don't really like fighting. It, it's, it's competition. I'm gonna beat you at this. And so I think he likes to fight. He doesn't care whether he wins or loses. He, I mean, he's kind of one of those guys, I don't care whether I lose or, or win, but I, I just wanna be in a, a fight to test myself. So that makes him very, very dangerous. And I respect that. As far as skill breakdown, breaking him down, I don't think there's anything that he does better than me. I am the best at, at, at everything when it, it comes down to it. If I'm not now, trust me, I will be even by the year's end. And so I've put a lot of work into, into this, and I know that everywhere he excels, I excel better. Nice. A win here, 7-0 and in the UFC. I mean, that's, that's pretty damn impressive if you didn't have a nice track record already. I mean, where do you feel like you belong, and what, and what do you deserve, and why do you feel like it just hasn't been coming to you yet? That that's you know that's a magical question that I you know I hope the UFC and and I'm gonna sit I'm gonna you know after this fight luckily hopefully you know with the grace of God we're gonna go down and we're gonna sit down with the UFC to figure this out because it just really doesn't make sense on paper to to be continue to fight these level of guys when I've proven time and time again that I can dominate all these guys and so. When you ask for, I've been asking four fights in a row now. I've been asking, I've been promised a top 15 guy, a top 10 guy, but it just seem not doesn't seem to be happening. And the biggest thing is that they're like, okay, well, call out the guy, make it vocal, call out the guy you want. For the last three fights, I've done that. I called out Damian Maya while he was sitting right next to me. I didn't get that fight, Kobe Covington did. I called out Dong Young Kim. I didn't get that fight, Kobe Covington did. I, I called out RDA. <laughs> I didn't get that fight. He, he, he picked Robbie, uh, Robbie Lawler. And so it's not that I'm not doing everything right. I'm doing it right, you know. In a sense, it's these guys realizing that that's probably the, the, the most difficult fight that I could possibly, I could be in in this division that could really hurt my career. 
Everyone wants to move up the ladder. No one wants to fall down. But Corey Anderson stated this. I'm into this to be the best. So it doesn't matter who I fight, which is why I, I, cho I chose to go through with this fight. I could have said, no, I don't want this fight and sat and waited. But I, I'm in this to be the best. And so it doesn't matter who the fight is. A fight is a fight. Anything can happen in that fight. So I respect all. But make no mistake, I am the best at what I do. You mentioned Colby Covington's name a couple of times. They're taking fights away from you. That name seems to keep circling around your career. Do you feel like that's a fight that, that needs to happen or has to happen? It's a fight that, that has to happen because it, it, I believe this is fate. This, this fight has been written. I mean, how much of a small world do we live in? I, I was a little boy born in, in Auchi, Nigeria, in, in a country full of 200, over 200 million people in a small farm town. To get to the point where I immigrate here, I'm in America, to where I get to college and I cross paths with the people that I have. I mean, you know, let's just summarize this a little bit. Me and John Jones crossed paths our senior year in high school. We met at Senior Nationals, a big wrestling tournament. And after that, we became friends. So, hey, I'm gonna go to school in Iowa next year. He said, I'm gonna go to school in Iowa. That's great, we stayed in touch. My fall break, I went up to, to his school, spent time with him all fall break. We hung out all week. The, you know, I stayed in his place, in his, his dorm, their apartment there, which happened to be the, the room that Kobe Covington stayed in the following year when he moved to school there. How small a world that is to where, take things further, we both live in South Florida, literally probably maybe 20, 30 miles away from each other, train at rival gyms. We have mutual friends, and I mean mutual friends that we see daily, we talk to daily. So this is something that's, that's set in stone, it's been written. Um, a lot of people don't know, but we were supposed to be the main event for this, this card, which is why it took so long for them to get a main event scheduled. But once again, he declined the fight, and so here we are. But he can run, but you can't hide forever. Nice. Well, first things first, obviously you get through a meal. When you play this thing out in your head, I mean, how does this one go? Is this one of those ones where you do just grind them out and dominate them and, and break them? Or do you think you can get a, a, a quick crowd-pleasing finish? I could. I mean, it, it, it goes, it's going to go wherever he, he, whatever he presents is what I'm going to take. As you've seen in my fights, one of the biggest thing, ways and areas that I thrive is is being able to control the outcome of where things are going. And so that's what I aim to do. I, if I go in there and I breathe on him and he falls over in, in a minute, hey, I'll take that. You know, but he's a tough guy. He, he, possesses, he, he brings a lot of intensity and he comes to fight. And so I expect a fight from him. But the one thing that I want to make clear that I, 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 I really want to clear up is a lot of these guys go into detail and they say, I want to be in a fight of the night. I want to be, I want to, I'm here for the fight of the night. I have no interest in fight of the night at all. I'm here for performance of the night. If I'm here to put on the performance of the night and you're here to put on the performance of the night, that's how fight of the night happens. Fight of the night doesn't just happen with one guy getting the shit kicked out of him. That's not how it happens. And that's what I do. My fights are one-sided. I'm going to beat you down from start to finish. So I have no interest in fighting the night. I have no interest in taking damage. If you, if you possess that great of a threat and you, you brought your A game to where you can inflict some damage upon me, more power to you. I'm still going to win, but that's how a fight of the night happens. 
But I hear guys say that all the time. I want to be the fight of the night. It's going to be fight of the night. I have no interest in that. I'm here to collect the performance of the night. Check. Michael Johnson versus Darren Elkins. The featured prelim fight. Uh, Michael Johnson not happy about being in this role, uh, and 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 understandably so. I think he deserves to be on the main card. Um, fight of the year, no question about it. Uh, had a great interview with him. Uh, he see, I said it again. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a great interview. I enjoyed my conversation with him. Check it out on YouTube if you want, or uh, MMA Junkie as well. But that is a great fight between him and uh, and Darren Elkins as well. Uh, James Krause versus Alex White. Matt Frivola versus Marco Polo Reyes. Tiago Alves versus Zach Cummings. That's your prelims. Uh, I did want to talk to Tiago Alves. I, I, uh, man, the guy has just been around forever, and seems snake bit sometimes. Man, he just seems snake bit sometimes. And uh, he had the, you know, the win earlier this year to kind of break the losing streak, and then had the the hurricane came through that just impacted his life. He lost his dog. You know, talking about losing pets and. I was living in the gym and, and all that. So I want to talk to Tiago Alves. If anything, the dude's just been around forever and is a true veteran of the game and a fan favorite. Uh, so I had a quick conversation with Tiago Alves as well today. Um, hey, you don't need more setup than that. Just listen to it. Talk about 2017, man. It's kind of an up and down year for you, right? I mean, it started out great. And then, of course, you know, the difficulties at the end of the year. So what, what was it like for you? Uh, you know, it started out great. Uh, you know, uh, I was able to overcome uh, uh, two fight and then losing streak, and uh, I had a great performance. I felt great, you know. And uh, leading up to uh, September, I felt phenomenal. And then, you know, natural disaster occurs. You know, being a first-time father, you know, husband, I never be through any situation like that. You know, when it's just me going through adversity, it's easy. I know what to do. But it won't involve your loved ones. You know. It, it was pretty tough. I made every attempt to to leave, you know, the state. It started from Thursday, the week before the fight, all the way to Tuesday. You know, on Tuesday I spent eight hours at the airport, you know, and I couldn't make it. And then I got back home, you know, to check on my dog, my English bulldog of ten years. You know, he's dead, you know, laying on the floor and everything. But even before finding him, you know, uh, dad, I, I made a decision that it, it wasn't worth for me to compete in those conditions. You know, it, it was easy for me to stay with my family, which is the most important thing for me, you know, and live to fight another day. No big deal, you know. But that decision of doing what's best for my family, it cost me a lot. I got a lot of bad rap on it, you know. Uh, I pretty much had to bag, you know, to get a, a fight schedule, you know. It, it, it's... And it's uh, outraging, you know. Uh, it kind of uh, put a chip on my shoulder, you know. Uh, after 12 years in this organization, you know, doing what is right by me, by my family, you know, I still have to prove myself day in day out. Which is, I don't, I don't complain. This is the nature of the business. You're always as good as your last fight, you know. But I was expecting a little bit more of understanding. But it is what it is, you know. It made me ten times stronger. I got that chip on my shoulder now, man, and I'm, I'm hungry like I never been before. I was gonna say, I mean, it had to be frustrating because it did seem like people kind of rushed to judge you, like even the fans, before they really knew what was going on. I mean, did that? I mean, did that hurt? Because you're a guy that's been around forever. So did that hurt your feelings a little bit that people did that? It, it, it upset me, you know. It upset me that doing the right thing, you know, it cost me so much. It cost me, you know, uh, uh, uh. 
it kind of diminished my name a little bit, you know, the, 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 the victory that I had in the beginning of the year kind of got scratched, you know. Uh, uh, people are saying I was scared of, you know, a, a fighter. That it, it, it was upsetting, you know. But the most upset stuff was losing my dog, putting my family through all this and all the emotional charge that, you know, my wife, you know, and I have been through. You know, living in the gym for, you know, a week without power, without anything, and then lose, you know, my best friend of 10 years and everything. But, you know, I, I do believe that it made me stronger. You know, I, I didn't want it to happen, you know, not living a little bit, but it did happen. And I always come on top, you know, different situations like that. You know, I have that pit bull mentality. I have that heart, you know, and you guys will see a side of that Sunday night. You feel like, you know, you said it, I think, that you feel like that win almost got erased. You know, that to me seemed like the start of a new phase in your career. And then now it's like, now we got to start over. Is that kind of how you feel that that just, this is another new beginning? Yes and no, because I know what I'm about. I know the work I've been putting in, you know, I know where my body is. I know the people I have around me. So I know it's just a matter of time, me getting the octagon and, and having fun, letting loose, you know, being the pit bull that I've always been. And this pit bull, it's more lethal than I've ever been before. He's focused, he's driven, you know. I never had that, I always had that uh, never quit mindset. But now, it's it's not even a question uh, or doubt, you know, goes through my mind. I know I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be vicious, I'm going to be relentless, and I'm excited to get in there. You seem so focused and so dialed in right now, but I do wonder, have there ever been moments along the way where there's some doubt where you think, you know, the injuries that you've had and then a freaking hurricane of all things. Are you like, I just must have the worst luck ever. You know, why, why is the world against me? Yeah, you, you know, especially in a, in a business like this that, you know, you have to prove yourself. You put everything in the line, you know, every time you step in, in there. But, you know, it, it really shows, it builds your character. You know, I've been through way too many shit to let a, a, a thing like this, you know, break me. I, I, I put in so much in, you know, to that just be it. You know, this is a new beginning, you know, and pressure, you know, it, 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 it's it's a privilege. And I'm excited to have this pressure. And I'm excited to go out there and just go at it, man. You know, I get goosebumps just to think about it. I'm crunching my teeth right now because I'm, I'm hungry. And it's been a long time I'm not this hungry. You fought the very best in the world. They come to you with a name like Zach Cummings. No disrespect to Zach, he's a tough guy, but not the name, you know, that you fought before. So when they came to you with that, were you a little disappointed or, or what, what was your thought about the matchup? I said, let's go. You know, I, I never was the fighter that chose my opponent. You know, my job is to go out there and to fight. I'm old school, you know, and, and, and right now I just see a little different trend with this social media thing. Guys are trying to pick fights and uh, choose the best way to get on top. I don't have anything of that, man. My job is to fight, you know, so just give me a name. I talk to my coaches, I talk to my team, I get ready and as a cute. So that comes the tough dude. He's the tougher that they come, you know, and I got a lot of respect for the dude, but it's it's just a bad a bad day, you know, bad night for him to be in front of in front of me that that, that against the cage. I mean, I'm excited to go out there. And I'm gonna put her on a, on a show. It's incredible to think how long your career has already been, how long you've been in the UFC. So where do you feel like you're at? I mean, do you feel like you're, it seems like you feel like maybe you're just entering your prime, whereas some people might say you're, you know, you have to be on the downside, but no, you feel like you're, you're just getting strong? You know, the, the beautiful thing about, you know, the people don't know me, you know, I, I, the people that know me are is my family, my coaches, you know, but all the outside voice, they don't matter to me because they don't know me. They don't know what I've been through. They don't know how much work I put in day in, day out, how much I invest, how much I have to sacrifice. So it kind of, it, it brings me fuel, 
You know, I'm 34 years old. This is the best I ever been. This Tiago right now will destroy that Tiago that fought Jean Pierre when he was 25. You know, not, it will not even be fair. And you know, also, this is it's a, it's a new beginning, but it's a much more focused and precise you know beginning for me. I'm excited, and you know, I got myself out of the rankings twice. You know, injuries kept me out of the rankings. Uh, me trying to drop to 55 kept me out of the rankings. Nobody boot me out of the rankings. I did, you know, and I'm that good that I'll put myself back in right after this fight. Very nice. What are the career goals right now? You said you know you're putting family first. Obviously, that's a big priority for you, but. What do you still want to accomplish in your career? What are the what are the goals right now? I'm coming for the belt, and you know? I'm coming for the belt. Of course, one fight at a time. You know, I got a very tough task ahead of me uh, on Sunday night. But dude, I'm, I always had that dream in my heart, and I got put this dream in my heart of being a UFC champion. And I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna give up. It doesn't make sense for me to do what I do without have that belt in my mind. And I'm coming for it. In 2018, it's my year. We're gonna start the year great, and we're gonna finish the year even better. Very strong. Well, it's going to start on Sunday night. When you play this thing out in your head, how do you see this fight going down? I see even me beating him up for 50 minutes or finishing him very, very early with a knockout with the submission. He told that, you know, all this 12 years of my career, I didn't evolve as a fighter. That's what he's hoping for. He's hoping that I, I, I'm the same guy, you know, and that's going to be just really, really sad for him on Sunday night. So there you go. And on top of all that, five fights on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Jessica I versus Kalindra Fahia. Arine Adana versus Talita Bernardo. J.J. Aldridge versus Daniel Taylor. That's right. Three women's fights on the Fight Pass. It's like... Uh it's like an Invicta. It's like an Invicta fight. You got Invicta this weekend, and then you got you know Invicta on Sunday too. Mads Burnell versus Mike Santiago. Kyung Ho King. Speaking of uh, fighters uh, who have two-year military duties, his is in the past, and so he's coming back after two years away from the sport to do his military duty for South Korea versus Guido Canetti. Uh, that's the card. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a fun fight. Uh, it's a Sunday night. Of course, Monday's a holiday. Uh, so you can stay up a little bit late if you need to. Only a four-fight main card, so it won't be too, too late in the night. Uh, the plan is to do an and a half if I can sneak it in. Uh, basically, what I'm doing is my flight leaves at 5 a.m. on Monday morning to get back home. So I might have to do it from the airport. I'm, what I'm doing is, uh, listen... Times are tight. Times are tight. The USA Day budget, they're trying to they're trying to squeeze things down a little bit. So what I'm doing is I'm checking out on Sunday morning. Um, I'm bringing my uh, luggage and everything to the fights. I'm going to do the fights. I'm going to go straight to the airport. So either A, if the arena staff won't kick me out too fast, or B, if I can find a spot um, in, the, uh, in the airport where I can record, I'll definitely do an and a half. Because uh, from what I understand, uh, well, listen, I should say, uh, sounds like ticket sales are good out here. It's a big arena, Scott Trade Center. It's an NHL size arena, big arena. Sounds like ticket sales are good, uh, which I would imagine would be in like the eight to ten thousand range, probably. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect to do seventeen, eighteen thousand a sellout of a big arena like that on a fight night card, um, but it sounds like it's good. Um, not a lot of media out here, from, from what I can tell. Uh, not a lot of traveling media here, so 
Um, there may not be much in terms of other media, but that just hey, that just tells you you just need to keep it on MMA Junkie. You see what I'm saying? I mean, just just make your life easy. Keep it there, and we'll have everything for you. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a little and a half. And then next week's going to be busy. I, I'll be covering the Bellator event in L.A. Cole Coffey is going to go out to uh, to Boston. He'll be covering USC 220. Got a really cool video that's coming out. Um, my man, Abby Subban, has been working on it. Um, I helped uh, script it, and he he helped put together the edit. But um, we're calling it The Rise of the Predator, kind of recounting Francis Ngannou's rise um, through the UFC ranks. You can kind of relive his whole career. So that's coming out. Anyway, all that stuff's on the horizon. In the meantime, uh, I, will, I will pack up. I got to – it's it's weird. This, this, I don't have weigh-ins in the morning. I got a media day in the morning. I've been up for like 24 hours straight. Hopefully this was coherent. Hopefully I didn't suck. And even if I did, thanks for listening.